I'm K.S. Garner, and you're listening to the Solo Nervic Podcast. Today, I'll be speaking with the creator, writer, and artist of the comic series Celestial Night, Dennis Valencia, here to promote issue two currently on Kickstarter. Welcome, Dennis. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you for joining us today. But uh, outside my introduction, who is Dennis Valencia in his own words? Um, so I, I like to call myself an old G. Um, I look a lot younger than I am, but I'm actually a, a 50-year-old man. Um, I started creating and drawing when I was in my early, you know, 10s, 11, 12s, created my character, which we're going to talk about today, probably was around 15. I stopped drawing probably in my mid, uh, late, mid to late 20s, and then start picking up drawing until about three years ago. And that's kind of where I am right now. Uh, father of two, uh, lovely wife, uh, just a man, you know, nine to five, trying to live his dream, you know. Uh-huh. So what got you back into um, into comics? Because you you know you said you stopped at a certain age and then you just you like just started a couple of, back up again a couple of years ago. Yeah, this is gonna sound real corny, um, so don't judge me on this one. But uh, when I got out of college, uh, I met my wife, and my wife, you know, a dime piece, you know, like, uh-huh. and I wanted to impress her so much. Um, I didn't want to let her know that I was a nerd who read comics. I, I took my posters down. And I didn't want to be like, it was sad. I didn't want to be me, like my 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 internal nerd. Um, so I hid it for a while. You know, I would draw here and she knew I could draw, but it wasn't something where I was passionate about. Um, so for a good, gosh, maybe 15, 20 years, I just didn't, I would draw for my kids or draw for like an occasion or in a card or something. I would draw like, you know, little caricatures or something. But when it came to the comic books, you know, I would stop going to my LCS, I would stop buying comic books, I would stop reading books. Um, it was sad, to be honest with you. Um, it was missing. Um, and then uh, three years ago, I was going through a dark period. You know, where I think we all go through these, you know, where you're ups and your downs. And she always just say, why don't you draw? You never draw anymore. And I'm like, yeah. And I always would always brush it off. And then she finally said, you know, why don't you draw one time? And I started drawing. And I, I actually was on a blank sketch cover that I had that was sitting in my long box. And uh, I, that was it. Like what I'd been missing, what felt empty in my in my being and in my soul it was that. It wasn't the drawing part. It was being a creator. Uh, and I think anyone who's an artist can relate to that. Like, if you don't do it for a while, like there's this internal thing in your soul that's missing. And it, for me, I was lucky to peg it and be like, that's what's missing. And then put that piece back in my soul. Um, but that, I mean, it, it was for a long time where you just kind of like, there's an empty feeling. You go into your nine to five, you do the daily grind. You got to be a, you know, a parent and you take care of your wife and you pay the bills but there's something missing, you know, like this isn't what it's all about and something so simple. That was it. Yeah. It's, it's kind of ironic that, you know, you kind of hid the nerdy part in the drawing from your wife to kind of like keep that away from her or so it wouldn't interfere with you as you were dating her at the time. And then yeah. fast forward all these years later, she's the one that's like, Hey, you know, I know you like <laughs> to draw. Why don't you get back into it since you're now, you're not feeling yourself lately. So that's, that's crazy. Nice. Yeah. That's really crazy. But, um, <laughs> What inspired, um, I guess, Celestial Night and for you to create this and to, like, to go through with it as a series? Um, There's a couple of things. Um, I created when I was 15. Um, I used to sit next to my grandmother and uh, she would um, she would sit and she'd watch like, I don't know if you remember, uh, Remington Steel and 227 and like Golden Girls. And I would sit next to her. Um, the big thing was I grew up in New York. Um, I grew up in a neighborhood that did not accept my um, nationality for one way to put it. It's very uh, a bigoted community. Um, I went through a lot of racism. 
Um, I was jumped. I was curled at, you know, names, rocks, spit on, all that good stuff. When I was young, I was 15. Um, and I hid in the doors. I stayed indoors with my grandmother. And I read comics. Comics to me was good versus evil. You know, I read classic X-Men, um, Fantastic Four, anything that I could pick up that was just all about good versus evil. And I took this to my grandmother and I would just draw because I didn't want to go outside. And I'd read these stories and I would just draw next to her and I created Celestial Knight then. And he was, he had a couple of different names. It's Celestial Warrior, the Star Knight. And I love drawing armor. Like I didn't see a lot of armor out there. So I just, you know, started copying, you know, artists who drew armor. Um, and that was kind of my thing. Like, I don't see a lot of guys in armor other than Iron Man, but I want to do my own thing. Um, fast forward till three years ago, uh, a buddy of mine, uh, my publisher, Savage Sandbox, he created a character and he's 50 also. And he found me on Instagram where he was like, would you like to do a cover? And this was my first foray into indie comics. And I did a cover for him and I started working with him. And I just kept looking at him like he's 50 years old. This is on his bucket list. He was able to check a box on that bucket list. And uh, for me, it was just like, you know, he can do it. Uh, he's my age. Why can't I do it? You know, why don't I'm not just going to be relegated to a cover guy or a pinup guy um, or promoting everyone in the community. I want to do my own book. And, uh, you know, a buddy of mine said, hey, don't you, got, you have any, you know, OCs? And I said, yeah, someone from way back when I still got the old original drawings. And that's kind of where it led me to finally having the stones to put it in print and uh, put it out there, you know. Yeah, I find it interesting that a lot of us you know nerds geeks what have you mm -hmm. um we kind of turn towards um i guess reading and drawing and writing mm -hmm. and whatnot um as a way to um not only escape but almost as a means of survival in a way yes. like not just from the people outside you know, or even within our family or the, you know, our peers and whatnot, even the people that we may work with, um, mm -hmm. but also to escape a little bit from ourselves in a way, like, you know, uh, depression and, and, you know, mm -hmm. possibly to having suicidal thoughts and anxiety mm -hmm. and things like that. It's kind of just like, I wouldn't say a distraction in a way. It may be a distraction at first, but then it mm -hmm. kind of snowballs and evolves into something that can be productive in a way yeah no 100 right and i you know i always look at you know when i was talking about i always talk about origin stories you know um those like defining moments of when you grow up or those issues you know you face you could either go two ways and for me it's always like do you go the hero route or do you go the villain route and uh you know for me i turned something into a positive where i just sat next to my grandmother and just drew 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 even though I missed going outside and I felt, you know, discriminated if I went stepped outside my door, I could still look to this day and tell my boys, like I did turn something negative uh, into a positive and my boys face it, you know, they still to this, I mean, they face it just this week. Um, but I would say, you know, like it, it feels hard in the moment. It's tough in the moment. Um, it sucks, but this isn't going to define you. This won't define you. We're not going to let you beat you. Um, we're going to turn this around. You're going to make this something up. Uh, stronger and better and you're gonna turn into something positive and i'm living proof you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so in regards to the hero celestial knight um mm -hmm. what should readers expect i guess returning readers expect from issue two and i guess for new readers like they want to get into the series they're interested in it so i guess what is um what is it about and i guess what should readers expect for issue two yeah, so uh, issue one, it, it, the issue, it's a three-issue arc. It's all, all an origin story. So for me, 
um, whenever I, I look at a character, you know, and I read comic books, you know, um, like you do, every superhero, villain, um, there's always an origin story. And to me, it was always, if you had uh, superpowers bestowed on you, what would motivate you to defend a planet um, when you don't know? You don't know, like, you know your family and your friends, but why are you defending millions and millions of people that you know nothing about? Uh, you know, whether it's religion or just, you know, how you were raised, maybe you, you, you fight the good fight. There's got to be more to that. Like, I'm going to risk my life for a bunch of people either I don't know or people I, I might not even like, but I'm going to risk my life for that. So for that was that was the starting point to the story. So issue one, it laid that foundation. It was the first notch in his story of, I'm going to put this, you know, I'm going to be powered and I'm going to defend the planet. That was the first part. And I always look at like Peter Parker. Um, he got bit by a spider, part one of his origin. Mm. Two, he has Mary Jane. You know, he wants to live up to this model-esque girlfriend. That's number two. Uh, he wants to prove that, you know, he's not a nerd. He's, you know, a lab rat. And then number three, Uncle Ben. So his his origin was like three parts to his origin. Is it as, uh, it's bigger in picture than scope than Batman. Batman, he's, he lost his parents. You can't get any more, uh, you know, in your face origin than that. But for me, it's a three issue arc. Issue one starts the first part of his origin where he can finally be like, this is why I'm going to do, be a, a hero. I'm going to be the cape. Issue two, builds on that another thing happens where he's going to be like okay this is where i am in life and this is why i want to do what i want to do issue three it comes full circle where he's like i'm going to defend the planet and this is why and i really wanted to hit home like again like if you have these powers why would you defend a planet where you probably could find so much what is wrong with it um and why you put your life on the line for it mm-hmm. so could you elaborate just a little bit more on your creative sure. process on Celestial Night as a whole? So mm-hmm. I guess you had your old drawings and then, you know, there's a spark of creativity to kind of bring it back. Um, how was that process? Like, you know, did you, what, what ideas and aspects did you keep and which ones did you get rid of? And mm-hmm. like, how did you go, like go through the whole thing of finding an editor or because mm-hmm. the, the world of comics is not how it was when you were younger. It's all this whole yeah. new thing that's way bigger than it ever was back when you were growing up. So how was it, yeah. you know, trying to bring something back, you know, um, an idea that you had into this new mm-hmm. world? So bringing the old into the new. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, at least for me, um, I knew what I'm, I'm good at. Uh, since I was been drawing for so long, I knew my strength was my art. I knew I was raised on 90s image comics. I knew like uh, my forte is like battle scenes and coloring and just the chaos of a page. Uh, I knew what I need to work on is my storytelling. I'm not a storyteller, I'm not a writer. Um, I brought aboard an editor and I always recommend, I know, you know, it's hard to hear that harsh criticism. I brought an editor, I gave her my first scene. My first scene was three pages. She sent me back 15 pages of critique. And I'll be honest with you, yeah, I'll be honest with you, I read the first two and I had to put it away because it hit hard. Like it was called out the littlest things, but I knew she's a pro. She had written five books. Um, I knew she knew what she was talking about and I can't be, I need to be humble. I need to not be, um, I need to take this down a notch. Um, So I'd use the Marvel method, um, old school Marvel method. I drew everything out because I knew the scenes in my head, panels. Uh, I knew the story that I wanted to lay out, so I finished. The, at the time, the issue, the book is 32 pages for issue one. Book two will be 36 pages. Um, when I laid it out, Marvel method, everything was drawn. I did my script and my story. 
I was able to present it to her and then she went through and then, you know, helped me work on dialogue, structure, some grammar, you, you know, the most basic things. Um, I always recommend, so I, I drew it, I inked it, I colored it, I wrote it, I did everything. So for me, one, it's cost effective. Um, I only have to pay for either if I bring other people on, editor, letterer, um, variant cover artist, uh, uh, colorist, um, things like that, uh, variant colorist. Um, it was more cost effective, especially going to Kickstarter. Um, but at the same time, um, you need help. I don't, you know, I don't care how skilled you are. It's always great to have someone coming in from the outside looking in, uh, especially when they have uh, serious credentials. Um, it's humbling, you know. It you're never too big to ask for help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So your editor, um, mm -hmm. what's their name? I'm looking at your Kickstarter right now. I think they're on there. Um, yes, Feral. Feral Paulus. Yes. Feral Paulus. So how did you know Feral was the was the editor that was right for um, for Celestial Night? Um, so the funny thing is, we worked together. Uh, we worked mm -hmm. together for four years, um, and you know we hit it off in the beginning because. Uh, we used to talk about, you know, all the nerd fun stuff. We talk about Star Wars. She's a big Star Wars fan. Um, so we talk about Star Wars, anything that came out in Marvel, whenever the next series would come out, did you see this episode? What do you think of this? And this is the crazy thing. We never agreed on it. So <laughs> we'd watch an episode of like, um, what is it? The new, the Captain America uh, Winter Soldier. And uh, I'd come back and she'd say something and I would totally disagree with her. And I'd be like, this is weird. And it kept happening. A movie would come out. I'd give her my, be like, oh, I didn't like this. And she'd be like, I loved it. Or vice versa. And I was like, this is crazy. We work together. We like the same stuff. We can never agree on on, on, on our opinions of, of, of how these projects are. So when I brought her on, that was kind of one of the things. I needed someone to say like um, a different uh, viewpoint. She mm -hmm. always said, you know, at the end of the day, it's your book. You're going to decide how you want to do it. But she's giving me a different viewpoint for me to consider. It's not a yes man. It's not someone going to say like, oh, this is this is great. This is great. This is great. It's literally saying, well, what if you did this or this isn't correct? Like, and she was brutally honest. Um, again, you know, it's humbling. You know, it it makes you take a step back. But I think that's one of the things I would recommend if you bring someone on or if you're surrounded by people who aren't afraid um, to tell you their opinions. Um, I think it really helps you develop your skill set, um, your project. It's always good to hear different opinions than your own because you're always in your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I guess Furrow is not, she wasn't afraid of hurting your feelings, <laughs> I guess, in a way, whereas other people would kind of be, like, if, if, I guess if it was anybody else, they would kind of be afraid of hurting your feelings or they wouldn't tell you exactly yeah. what needs to be done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, she's definitely not one to shy away from uh, an argument, an opinion, uh, especially on something, like I said, she's written over five books. Um, she's very skilled, very talented. Um, and again, she knows what she's doing. Uh, if it was an art thing, uh, I would probably say, oh, they did this for that. But when it comes to that um, skill set, I definitely refer to her. Mm -hmm. So how about, um, I guess, Christopher, who's your letterer, Mohammed, yes. the you know variant cover artist, yes. um, Mary, who also did the variant color, I guess the variant cover color of it. So yes. how did you, so finding these other collaborators, how did you find them and how did you know that these were the right people to work with? So Christopher is great. Um, he has his own um, indie comic. Uh, he actually is from Homebrewed Comics. He does a D&D &D based comic. I think he's five issues deep. He is a pro when it comes, to, he's a pro to me. 
for Kickstarter and for indie comics in our group, the Savage Sandbox. He does all the lettering of the group. Um, so I know just from his track record, um, and I always call him the hardest working man in indie comics because he's always working, uh, whether it's our book, my book, his book, the rest of the group's books, he's always working. Um, so for him, he has that tenure and he has that cachet for me of being uh, multiple books, very successful Kickstarters. Um, that was how Christopher, how I found Christopher. Um, when it comes to Mo, um, we just hit it off, found each other on Instagram. He was actually working with Christopher. He was actually his cover artist on his books. And Mo and I, um, Mo's Asian, we just hit it off. He's in Thailand. Uh, we just had a lot of things to talk about and, and we just clicked really quick. Our art, art styles are very uh, similar. We both grew up on 90s image. So we have very kinetic uh, energy when it comes to our art. So we hit it off that way. Um, he is my closest guy. It's always crazy like how we meet people on social media. Mm -hmm. um, I flock to him like um, I would say he's my brother. Like I never met him. I hope to meet him one day and you know whether he's coming back, coming here from Thailand or I go to Thailand. But uh, I probably turn to him, spoke to him, you know, all the time, uh, whatever it's about art, family, you name it. Um, he is a brother to me. And then uh, Mary, um, she just put on Instagram and she's been coloring pieces here and there. She's always on my radar. She was on a, um, coloring a, another gentleman's uh, work um, and he was on her radar. And the funny thing was um, we would always talk about like, she's really good. And then I scooped her up for this campaign. And it, the first thing he hit me back was he got to her before I did. And I was like, yeah. That's pretty cool. And this is her first campaign coloring. So I'm really happy to bring her in. Um, she bought my first book, CK1. Mm -hmm. I was at a con and she drove two hours to meet me at the con. And I was like, that's amazing. Like you this bought amazing. my kick. Yeah, it was just, you bought my Kickstarter at CK1. You follow me on Instagram. And I'm like, that's when your peers become your friends. And she showed up with her family. I was like, that like blew my mind. And I was just like, you know what? That's super cool. Like screw the numbers and books and all that. But when you really dug my work and you wanted to meet me as a person, you know, two hours to go to a con and meet me, like that's pretty dope. Yeah, that's pretty that's pretty cool. I've met a couple of people that I've done interviews with. And yeah. it's, it's a bit surreal meeting them <laughs> sometimes. And mm -hmm. I've had, you know, people some people even like stopped me when I'm doing cons or festivals, mm -hmm. when it, there may be, and they may ask me, am I this person? And it's kind of weird in a way. I kind of <laughs> freeze. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's me. I always feel like mm -hmm. I did something wrong or something. <laughs> I hear that. No, because you don't know their intent. You don't know if it's yeah. like, is that you, good or bad, you know? Uh-huh. I mean. That's funny. Yeah, with Mary, I mean, she could have been like, I bought this and I didn't like it. I'm like, oh. Right. <laughs> right, all right, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but what advice would you offer to other creators? You wish someone would have told you um, when you, I guess, not when you first started comics. Well, mm -hmm. maybe, well, maybe yeah, when you first started comics, and then some advice you would have been offered um, when you got back into it. Um, I think it would be there's two of them, and one I'd already touched on was get an editor. Like, don't mm -hmm. be afraid to ask for help. Um, you know. It, it never, it doesn't hurt. It, 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 the only thing that's going to hurt is your ego. Um, so get an editor, get a support group, get people who can give you different opinions. You don't have to agree with those opinions, but they will help you um, get a different input, a different uh, set of eyes on it, uh, a different perspective on your project. So get an editor, get a group of people who will look at your project and give you criticism, good or bad. Uh, and then the second thing was, um, like I said, I didn't draw for quite a while. So, or I didn't put myself out there for this, you know, when I look back at it, just a really like pretty lame reason. 
like I, I hid part of myself because I wanted to impress someone, which is pretty sad when you think about it. Um, you know, it's never too late. You know, I look at my buddy who checked that box on his bucket list. Um, same thing. Like I, I could have just let this go and I could have been like, oh, you know, I don't, I'm never going to create a book. I'll just be a cover guy. But to have that and to actually be like, wow, I actually created my own comic and get like really cool reviews and people who like it. Um, it's never too late. I don't care what kind of art you're into, you know, podcasting, music, painting. Um, even if I, I meet people at cons all the time where I'm like, the first thing I'll say to them when they come to my table is like, so what do you do? You draw, you write, like what, what's your, what are you here for? And they'll tell me like, oh, I just draw this. And they'll be like, show me. And they'll show me like you know, a little sketch or something. And I'll be like, that's great. Like, look at what you did now. Like, you never know where you're going to be 10, 20 years from now. And if this is something you like, just you never know where it's going to be. So never give up on, on fulfilling that creator part in you. Because uh, it's just never too late. Mm, exactly. Yeah. Um, but outside of working on Celestial Night to you and Celestial Night as a whole, how mm. well do you find balance for your life? Um, how do you typically manage your mental well-being when you become stressed frustrated or overwhelmed? Oh man, that's a good one. Um, I'll use this week, for example, uh, my nine to five, uh, we're down a manager. Uh, I'm acting manager right now. So I, I, my hours are up and down. I never had a set schedule. So, you know, tomorrow I, I work till 8.30. Uh, this morning I went on my day off and worked three hours. Um, I have uh, a very, um, a great wife who I just want to spend a lot of time with. I have two awesome kids who, you know, I, I, after this, I was like, Hey, do you want to go to the gym after this? You know, um, it's a lot, you know, it's just it, that work-life balance is real tough. Majority of time that I, I'm able to create is when everyone falls asleep. Uh, my wife is notoriously, she goes to bed early. She goes to bed. Probably the latest would be 10 o'clock. My mm -hmm. kids fall asleep. Same thing for school. They're in bed by 10. Um, my buddies, they call me and, you know, one of the things I'm working on, uh, I'm known as team, no sleep and team, no sleep are those creators who are up till one or two in the morning. And all we're doing is I'm sitting there in bed. There's my wife next to me. I got my iPad here, got a pillow underneath in the middle of the night and dark. And, you know, from 10 to one, two o'clock, I'm drawing, I'm doing something. I'm doing either promo art for people, promo art for myself, working on my book. Um, and then you get up, what, 6.30 in the morning, wake up my son for school, and we do the whole thing all over again. Um, I, I'm sure you know, like trying to fit this in and follow your passion uh, in a normal daily you know, is pretty tough, but we do it because we love it, you know? Yeah. Um, I saw a team no sleep on the, in, the, in the comic that you sent me. Yeah. Like, but um, <laughs> when I... <laughs> When I wrote um, when I wrote my first book, um, mm. I was you know doing eight hours at, mm. at my job. You know, it's like an hour to get there, eight hours themselves, and then another hour to get home. So no, it's like ten hours of work pretty much. And yeah. then I would come home, walk my dog, maybe eat something or drink something, and then I would pull mm. like another six hours of yeah. work. And you know. I remember like my mom was asking, she was like, shouldn't you be asleep? Shouldn't you be, you know, you want to take a break? And I was like, no, like I need yeah. to get this down. I need to have yeah. this done. And I wouldn't take a shower until like maybe 11 o'clock <laughs> or something like that, you yeah. know, and then be so yeah. wired 
that I can't fall asleep until probably like one. And then mm. I have to get up and do it all over again tomorrow. And I didn't really have an issue with that because mm. I would, I just loved it so much. And it didn't, it wasn't a problem to me. But then yeah. I would be at work and I would write stuff down on sticky notes. Yep. <laughs> so that's how I was getting a lot of the stories done. Like I still have, yeah. I'm probably somewhere around here, I still have the sticky notes from back in 2015. That's so, great. Yeah, I, I totally get it. Being up late at night like that, and you just can't help it in a way. And that that is kind of if you don't do it, then you're going to be agitated. You're going to be yeah. anxious. You know, you feel like you have to do something or it's going to be gone. Whereas, yeah. you know, people from outside looking in, they're like, you know, you should stop. You're doing too much. But it's like, no, I need to be doing this, or I'm going to feel like shit. You know. Well. How many how many times have you tried to go to sleep, but it's on your mind and you can't fall asleep until you get it done, but you you, you do something with it because you're not going to fall asleep. There's no way until you get it out. Yeah, I'll wake up and have an idea and I'll just start running it on my yeah. phone and I yeah. still have some notes and I'm just like, I look back at it now. I'm like, what is this? I don't even know what this is, you know, but yeah. I don't throw anything <laughs> away. I don't delete anything mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. my brain knows what this is. I'll yeah, do something yeah. with it at some point. So right. That's great. I'm gonna make you a, a honorary member of Team No Sleep. I need sleep. I'm starting to get <laughs> I'm starting to get bad because I know this is a while ago. I'm like, oh my god. It catches up with you. It'll catch up with you. It needs to stop. Needs, <laughs> I'm on <laughs> no, camera a lot. It needs to stop. <laughs> I hear you. Um, but is there anything else that you want to touch on about Celestial Night 2? that we may have missed as a whole, um, maybe discuss more about the Kickstarter and the yeah. rewards for potential backers? Uh, yeah, so uh, like I said, issue two uh, continues this Orton story. Um, it's it's a, a very simple campaign. My first campaign was monstrous. I did uh, $4,600. I had 104 backers. It was a big one. My biggest tier was a $130 tier. For this Kickstarter, I really wanted to keep it simple. Um, I wanted it to be about the book. So my tiers are very small. Um, my biggest tier is only $60. That's less than half of what my first campaign was tier. Uh, the book it's alone is 36 pages with a pull-up poster in the middle, like real old school image comic. Um, so 36 pages, pull-up poster, um, only $8 plus shipping. Um, it's pretty good for 36 pages considering what you get for, you know, six, five to $6 for a 22, 28-page comic now. Um, and the lowest tier is a digital copy, which is only $3. I have a big following, um, or a lot of people I know are in Australia or in uh, the UK, and I'm from the Philippines, so I have a, a nice little contingent over there. So I wanted to make it accessible to everybody. Um, chugging right along really well. Um, I think we, I know we're over 2,000. I know I'm at 55 backers, maybe 56 by now. Um, so it's not about the dollar value. It's really about trying to get my book onto many people, as many hands as I can to continue the story. Um, and then, you know, I really passionate about the story. It hits home. It's part of me. Um, it, you know, it's not just a regular, you know, superpower guy. Um, it's really uh, a lot of it has to do from how I grew up, growing up in New York, uh, chasing that American dream, um, and then you know, continuing into, as you get to know the characters in issue two and his bigger, his bigger circle of characters. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm starting to notice as I interview more and more people, and then they come yeah. to me. Um, I guess like I, I spoke to them during their first Kickstarter and or their second one, they come back doing the third one. 
And I start to notice when they discuss their first Kickstarter that they kind of go big on the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure what I'm not sure why they do that. I guess because you know they feel like they have to do as many things as possible or have as many rewards as possible or have a big goal because they're trying to get as much as they can. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. How has it been? you know, from your first Kickstarter to this one, like, why did you lower the amount down? Or I should say, I guess the re- the biggest reward is only, what, you said $60, right? $60, yeah. Yeah, so I guess what was the difference for you? Why did you feel like you had to scale it down? Huh? Well, you know, I the group I work with, and there's seven of them in Savage Sandbox, um, they level up their tiers. So they're, you know, you started out with a basic book, right? Your first, say your first campaign. Second book, your, maybe a book, buried cover, Third campaign, they're looking at, I mean, one guy had plushy, he had an action figure. Another guy had a mask, um, coins. So all these guys are leveling up in their Kickstarter. I'm on my second. Mm-hmm. I went big and you're 100% right. You, you kind of just, you know, you, un- you, you unload the clip on your first one because you, you want it to hit. You want to fund, you know, you're looking at everyone, the landscape in the comments, you're seeing everyone having these successful campaigns. You say, this is my one shot. Is it worth it? I want to put as much out there as I can and make it worthwhile. And you empty the clip. For this one, I empty the clip. Um, I have a nice little following. Um, but again, it I had it, it was so successful. I still have funds from that first campaign that I can either A, give back to the community in the sense of more rewards and more tiers, things like that. Um, or pay more talent, give them a, a bigger, you know, you gotta pay your talent, mm-hmm. give them a bigger uh, stipend. Um, but for me, it's always about getting the story out, um, getting the book out, getting more exposure for my character. Um, I don't, I don't want it. It's not a cash grab, you know, for me. Um, I'm perfectly fine in, uh, where I am in life. So for me, I really just want to be that creator side of telling my story. I want you to love the character. I want you to love his dog, Norman. I want you to love the story. I want you to relate to it. Um, I want to be bigger than just 36 pages in your hand. Uh, one of the things I love whenever I sell a book at a con or give a book to a person and I always say, you know, read it and review it and let me know what you think. Um, if you love it, tell me why you love it. If you don't like it, just give me a thumbs up and say, good, good shot, Dennis. Good stuff. Um, so, I, you know, and I've gotten so many really cool reviews, something as little as I love Norman the dog to something where, like, I totally understand where you're coming from. I totally understand the American dream. Like, it's, I have so many cool reviews of just uh, individuals hitting me up. And, and uh, I think one of the coolest things is when you go con to con, it's, you know, I started going to cons last year heavy. And this year, as I went to my first con, people came back and it was like, loved it. And I'm like, I have an issue too now. Uh, you know, story is going to continue. Um, that's why I went with a second tier that was lower. I just, it's all about the book, not about the money. Um, the money is going to fund my team. Um, I, I did a nice cool tier. We hit over $2,000 and 50 backers. Uh, reward's going to be, um, stretch goal is trading cards. I love trading cards. So I brought on uh, six different creators with uh, six different cool designs on cards. I even said I, I might go as high as eight, depending on how much money we bring in. Um, so and what I did on my first campaign, I had uh, trading cards also. had uh, Not only would they do the front of the card, on the back was a picture of that creator and their bio. Because... You know, they're doing me the service. They're I'm paying them, but this is also about being the community. Like on the back of that card, if you like that art, you'll see that creator, his Instagram, Facebook, Twitter handle, 
and you can go follow that guy. And that's eight of those guys. So this time I have six, I'm going to go up to eight, uh, all different indie creators. So I reached out to six, actually now seven different creators from first campaign. And I told them, you know, I'm going to pay you this much and you're going to get some publicity and get the shine on this. Um, and uh, when the time comes, I'm going to get a picture of you to put on the back and you can write a little bio and uh, we'll put you out there. And because that's what indie does. Indie supports indie. I really, really believe that. Yeah, I think that's a really cool idea too to have the artwork and then the people on the back and their information. Mm-hmm. That's that's really cool. It's like almost like a business card in yep. a way that shows their work, but like it's not them giving out their business cards. I don't know how to put it in a way. It's like um, it's almost like you are referring them to people instead of them mm-hmm. having to do it themselves because you know people are coming to me because they're being referred to me like from like Jeff that we know um, yeah. and other people that I've interviewed and it's like they're kind of like doing the work for me in a way which is kind of yep. nice which is what it sounds like you're, you're doing for you know the mm-hmm. artists you work with you know they put in the hard work to help you out you mm-hmm. know provided you with a service so you're kind of like returning the favor by like hey here's this cool artist this person that I know you should check that work out so I think that's really cool oh, thank you appreciate um, it Oh, and also speaking of Norman, don't kill that dog. Don't, <laughs> don't kill that dog. Don't kill that dog. Please don't kill okay, it. So, so Norman yeah, is my dog. Uh, uh-huh. He's a rescue. Yeah, we rescued like three years ago. Uh, he's my best buddy. Uh, he's just the biggest goofball, like 180 pounds. He's heavy as hell, um, but he's adorable. But no, don't worry. I got big plans for him. Issue two, um, I got some ridiculous plans for him uh, in issue two. I can't uh-huh. wait to show everybody. You're funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> speaking of, of cons that you've gone to, are you attending yeah. any more this year? And um, I guess if you are or if you aren't, where can people find you online? Um, for cons, uh, I just came from South Carolina Comic Con. It's actually one of my, my, it's now one of my favorite cons. I'm going to try and hit them every year. Um, I think they have a South Carolina Comic Con Junior. I'm going to see if I can hit that. I think it's in October. The one I signed up for, and I scaled back this year. Last year, I went crazy. Um, and I really spent so much money on travel and all that. I really dialed back. I want to do more local. I'm doing one. Uh, I think I do. I won in Fayetteville. I think it's in July. Real you know, local one. The big one is Heroes Con in Charlotte. Um, that's the you know um, Charlotte one. It's it's our version of like you know ECC or New York Comic Con or San Diego. So it's in Heroes. Um, so you can find me there with the rest of my fellas, um, the Savage Sandbox, uh, Heroes Con. Last year when I went, uh, overwhelming, you know, as an indie creator, you're all the way by the bathrooms. So they said, you know, you get the closer, the more you comes you do for heroes, hopefully you move closer and closer to the center where all the big boys are. So we'll see where we end up this year. Um, I'm just excited to see everyone. And again, it's local. So it's with my people. So I really want to be like, hey, like this is, I'm a local boy. Like, come talk to me at least. It, you know, the conversation shouldn't end once you leave my table. I'm local. You can always hit me up on my Instagram, uh, Dr. Valencia Designs. It's dr.valencia designs. Same thing on Facebook. Uh, I don't do Twitter. I'm just trying to keep it positive. So right now, most of my my work is always on, on Instagram. A little bit on Facebook, but I kind of watch it from afar. But if you want to hit me up, uh, Instagram is the easiest way. I respond to every DM, every message, you know, good or bad. Um, but yeah, those would be probably the easiest two ways to get to me. Uh-huh. Speaking of going to cons and staying locally, I'm mm-hmm. um, staying local. I um, offer the same advice to other creators who are getting mm-hmm. into cons. I'm like, 
being local is better. Um, I hit cons heavy too with with my books mm. last year. Um, and going to a local gaming shop, they hold like free comic book day there. They do. Yeah. Um, they participate in the local events there as well, just to get more traffic. There's a lot of foot traffic in that area, just to get more traffic to their shop, um, gaming yeah. shop. Um, and I've done things where like, um, because I'm getting to network more and know more people, mm-hmm. they're referring me to places like one, I did a table, it was in October, um, I think maybe, it may have been the end of September. Anyway, they like yeah. offered the table with me for free because they needed more people and it was local. Mm-hmm. I didn't really have to spend any money and I was able to yeah. invite another creator to split the table with me. So we didn't nice. have to spend any money. If anything, he made money. Um, yeah, I, like those local events with the exception of Baltimore Comic Con, I've yeah. actually made more money than I spent on the table. Something yeah. huge like Baltimore Comic Con, I would say split the table because um especially if you're first starting out with doing tables you are not gonna make any money back i made my money back on like i think it was like mid-afternoon on sunday even though i'd been there since friday friday was dead saturday it didn't pick up until like mid-afternoon all the way until the evening and then like i said i made finally made my money back sometime sunday I, i forget i forget actually but yeah, it's especially since I'm in the city, I'm in Baltimore City. Mm-hmm. But when you go further out into like the boonies, you know, yeah. they don't really have anything out there. And yeah. I don't think they have money. They have money yeah. to spend, but they don't know where to spend it, you know, and they don't want to yeah. go into the city. So if you bring the city to them, yeah. they spend money. So I just try to tell people, but the thing is, is that I know one person, I think she's like from Idaho. And the the towns are like miles apart from each other. So yeah. it's like, what does that mean for me um, to stay local? I was like, oh, well, you know somebody within your orbit that has been to other cons mm. in that state or in that area. So really just talk to them and see if it's worth it, really. Or maybe yeah. just try to stay in you know, your local comic shop or find some other local business that's doing something to promote their store to have you in there whatever it may be. Yeah. So I just yeah. try to advise people to, to stay local. Yeah, I did. Um, I did Baltimore last year. Um, and I've actually met my rest of my crew. We all kind of like, it was the only con we all got together at. What, so there what, was a, what lane were you in? Uh, I, I can't Bob, real far out. <laughs> That's all I remember. Yeah. I was by the, um, I wasn't by the bathrooms in artist okay. alley i was by one of those restaurants it was it wasn't the first one it was the second one towards the back mm. i was two lanes over i know if you're facing the front of it i know it was real far to the right that's all i remember um but you know what like when i was there with my fellows like when they came from everyone one came from jersey two came from jersey uh-huh. the other one came from charlotte with me and uh the crazy thing was you know it was such a build-up you know because there were so many crazy creators there you know like you're like oh like it wasn't like you landed or like i'm uh part of this like it's such a you know place to be but when we got there um you know it was so much that you were kind of drowned out at least as far as the boys were and at the end of it you know some of us just looked at each other and like you know the best part was meeting each other and talking but you know and getting to touch base but as far as the business part of it you know we were so drowned out it was hard to actually um 
you didn't feel successful. Um, mm. I know leaving it, as many books as you move, it still felt like, I knew it was a wash, only because they had this place stay over. Um, you know, like the hotel, I think me and my buddy, we drove five hours to get there. Um, so it was a wash financially. Um, and even the networking, as much as we did, um, it did have, when we left, it was a, a heavy feeling on your shoulders. Um, so you're, I, you know, I think that's one of the reasons like a dollar value is one thing for this year, but the other thing is like keeping it local. Um, I think, you know, I think it's a, a better way to, to really uh, ingratiate yourself and your, your book out there. And, you know, I'm a small fry, you know, big fry will come, you know, later on with, you know, let's, let's tone it down a bit. And that was a lesson I, we all took away from Baltimore. Like, yeah, we're not there yet. We're just not there yet, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of people felt like that too when they were there. Mm -hmm. I was by, and I don't remember, I was by the shot glasses. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you ever went past her booth. I, I try not to leave my booth. Okay. I try not to leave mine either, but my cousin yeah. helped me out when he was there on Saturdays. Friday and Sunday, I didn't leave my booth. Um, but yeah, just say to, Say local. I was trying. Sorry, I was trying to find my because I have it in a bag sitting right next to me. I was trying to find my tape yeah. number when I was there. Yeah, um, I might even have my uh, lanyard, you know, with the uh, you know section on it. I'm trying to find it on my. Yeah, I can't. I might have mine on my phone as well. I have. Mm... Oh my god. Where is Baltimore on here? There we oh, go. Yeah. That's Baltica. Uh, Artist Alley. I yeah. was in D32, 32 and 34. D32 and D34. D32 and D34. Yeah. I was trying to find out where it was. It was a lot know. of, it was, the cool thing is the whole indie lane, that whole like lane, I knew a bunch of guys just from Instagram. So it's kind of like, hey, I know you or I follow you. It was pretty cool. Baltimore Comic Con. I was in E40. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, E49. Okay, you weren't far. You're like right there. Yeah, that's why I was like, I was right by the eatery place towards the back. There's two of them on the right hand side, mm -hmm. but I was in the second one. But I always told people that's I was writing the shot glasses. Everybody liked the shot glasses that, you know, yeah, yeah. so you try to get all the attention and I try to get people yeah. onto my table. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. That's pretty, that's not bad. I mean, anytime you're near food, I mean, at least you get some kind of traffic walking by. You talk to somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would rather be near the food than near the bathrooms. Because I spoke to somebody else and I was like, is it good having all this traffic near the bathrooms? He was like, no, it's not. I was like, oh. Nah. So. <laughs> um, good to know. <laughs> but um, is there anything else that you wanted to discuss, Dennis, about Kickstarter uh, or anything I've made missed or you want to ask me, maybe? Um, well, I think at least as far as the Kickstarter, you know, I got, I got like less than 14 days. Um, so if the, anyone gets a chance, again, you know, love your support. You know, $3 for a digital. It's not going to break your bank, I would hope. Um, and if you have any questions on it, please reach out to me. Um, it's again, it's all about the story. And if you're into capes and superheroes and, you know, uh, the good versus bad, I'm old school comic, you know, a good, good fun read. Um, as far as you, um, love what you're doing. Uh, what got you into doing what you're doing other than the pandemic? Like, it's a big deal to put yourself out there like that. Like, it's not a normal thing. Like, hey, I just wake up and be like, er, er, you know, I'm going to do uh, this. Well, what I do, um, I host the podcast. Um, I'm an urban fantasy self-published author. I've written two books. Um, try, I'm like in the middle of writing my third one right now. I'm trying to have it finished by the Baltimore Book Fest that they're bringing back in like the fall. Mm -hmm. 
they say between September and November. So somewhere in the fall. Um, yeah. I'm also getting into acting. Um, nice. I just started in October of last year. I was an extra on two productions that they had here. Um, Lady in the Lake and Lioness that they had. And I liked it a lot. Um, mm. I, so what got me into acting was high school. Um, mm. When you when you're a freshman in high school, they asked me. They asked you like, "What do you want to get into? Do you want to get into the choir? Do you want to get into the band? Yeah. Um, or do you want to get into like a sport or the the theater?" And mm. theater intrigued me, but I was so scared to get into mm. it because I didn't know anybody that was in theater. Everybody mm. was either in the choir, they were in the band, or they played a sport. And I didn't mm. really want to do any of those things. So it wasn't until my senior year of high school where like theater was like a dump thing elective that you could take just to fill out your schedule for school yeah and mm -hmm. I took it and I loved it and I just yeah. like regretted it ever since that I didn't do it when mm -hmm. I was a freshman in high school I tried to do it when I was in college it just didn't fit in with my major um yeah. fast forward 15 years um they were looking for extras on Twitter and mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I'll go and look it up and see how I can get into it. They immediately took me on. Nice. Um, and then I'm just trying to get into it ever since. So, I mean, I I just finished my last day on a web series um, like a week ago. Mm -hmm. um, I'm doing a table read actually right after this. <laughs> That's awesome. And um, I'm like, I'm glad we were able to work it. I'm glad you could take it at five o'clock because we have it at like 730. Um, and then I just so is, this, is this like your evolution of you as a creator and an artist? So it's like a different yeah. lane of you being creative. Yeah, because so the thing is, when I worked at I worked at our casino that yeah. we have here, and we would share our New Year's, New Year's resolutions, and mine mm -hmm. was to live a creative and fulfilling life. That's right. what it was. I didn't have anything specific in mind. It was just it we had to be creative. So mm -hmm. my first thing was writing my first book and I published it like literally on my 25th birthday awesome. um and then the podcast I started in 2019 so it was way before it was like maybe like six months before the pandemic mm -hmm. um that I just wanted to like chronicalize catalog what have you of the things that were going on locally in Baltimore that I feel like wasn't being talked about because it's so much about mm -hmm. the violence and whatnot but it's mm. never about the local stuff that's going on, the exciting mm. things, the creative things. Nice. Um, and then I had to go virtual because of the pandemic. But, um, and then the acting. So it's just, you know, the writing and the acting and the, doing the podcast and whatnot, it's just living a creative life and it's just evolving into other things. Yeah. Um, just mainly because of the people that I interact with and mm. just the people that just give me a chance, really. So... Yeah. That's all it is for me is just to live a creative and fulfilling life. So, so you think, um, you know, if I would have asked you, so how long did you start doing this like like acting kind of thing? How long ago? The acting, um, like having lines, I started that in like February. Okay. So if I said um, like say two years ago um, that you would be this passionate about it, would you have been like, oh yeah? Or is it something like, you didn't realize how much you would enjoy it and where it's just like, this is so, like you didn't know that internal you is coming out and you wouldn't ever have known if these opportunities didn't pop. Two years ago in regards to acting, 
Yeah. No, I would not have believed you. I'm like, oh, okay. Because a lot of people tell me like about my potential and they're interested in my stuff and how naturally yeah. talented I am. But I wouldn't have believed it. I was like, I'm going to smile and laugh. I'm like, oh, okay, all right. Yeah. But it wasn't until I was like, okay, I'm going to go for it. The worst they can mm. do, worst they can say is no, right? Yeah. Or just not say anything at all, which happens a lot in acting, which you know, a lot of people don't really talk about, or I just probably didn't pay any attention to it. Um, yeah. But there's a lot of rejection in this industry, whether it be writing, you know, drawing, uh, working on a podcast, uh, mm. acting and whatnot, which I think a lot of people are afraid of, but like, mm. I enjoy the process of things. Mm. That's how I look at it. It was just, it's just another thing that I can learn and put into mm. my bag, you know, yeah. and use it some other time. So that's how I look at it. It's just a process to take with me as I go on my journey in life. Mm. <laughs> are you, are you in, and this is in the vein of the acting, are you mm. surprising yourself? Do you ever stop and be like, I surprised myself on that one or um i'm surprised at how well i'm i'm memorizing the lines okay. um because i try to google it i was like how do you memorize lines <laughs> yeah and there's no yeah. answer there's nothing there <laughs> to help you i guess yeah. you have to be taught i'm just like well i don't have money to go to school so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i have to learn right. i had to literally like memorize them on the car right there or like my dad mm. would help me memorize yeah. lines and stuff like that so I'm surprised that I can memorize lines. I'm surprised that people want to work with me as an actress because I did an audition mm. last week and they liked how I did this, how I how I read a certain word because like yeah. it was emotional and my voice cracked. I didn't even hear it. I had no idea mm. what they were talking about. So awesome. yeah, and then I've I've you know done a scene with someone who I guess I think she's like classically trained as an actress. Mm. And she was like, that was really good. And it, you know, how you act makes you want to step my game up. I was like, what are you talking about? I have like, I kind of like zone out in a way because I'm just so busy trying to read the lines. Right. Are you saying like, are you like, are you, are you actually saying like, what are you talking about? Or are you like, oh, thank you. You know, like, I no, gotta, I you say, know, like, no, I'm like, no, well, I say, no, I say thank you. But in my mind, I'm like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah, you can't let them, you can't show it. You'd be like, yeah. I yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I knew the whole time. Yeah, of course. Right, right, <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, I meant to, you know, that inflection in my voice. I meant that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. And then I'm like, in the car, I'm like, I don't even remember any of the lines. I don't remember mm. anything. It's just, I did it already. It's gone, so. Yeah. So what's the table read uh, this afternoon, or uh, this evening? It's um for a stage play. Mm. Um. It's called Around the Snake Time. It's okay. based on a woman um, from Ghana. Um, it's Well, it's not based on her specifically, but her experiences. And it's kind of bringing in uh, themes of like tradition and mm. generational trauma, family mm. issues. You know, um, I feel like a lot of countries outside of America specifically mm. Um, have this great thing of community in a way, mm -hmm. but I feel like a great thing, probably the one of the only great things being an American is mm -hmm. um, we can be a bit more independent, like we yeah. don't mind getting away from traditions. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's great that our family is still willing to take care of us and have us in our in their home until we get married, until we have children, until we're settled on our feet. 
but yeah. what if you want to get away from your family what if you want to get away from the traditions that they expect you to fulfill you know yeah. um i guess people are so afraid of the disappointment in their family because they want to get away from that yeah you know um and then it's like their family makes them think that they don't love them or they don't care about what mm -hmm. they've ever done for them and it's like you know if you love me that much if you're going to provide this much for me then you'll be here you know yeah. if and when i fail in three years you know or whenever the time may be so if i want to leave home let me leave home and let me live my own life and if it doesn't mm -hmm. work out then i'll be back like and you know i'm not going to cut you all off or anything like that yeah you know but me living my own life is not me saying that i don't love you it's just me wanting to go out and do my own thing because that's what I was so you think it's about. more more like a societal or a cultural norm yeah is what you're battling you know yeah yeah that's what it, it kind of is mm -hmm. in this play in this stage mm -hmm. play. so um i'm just doing the reading and right. paying people so yeah. um which is like my actually my first paid gig outside yeah. of when I, as, as an extra yeah yeah it is exciting super um, exciting I don't know if they'll actually have me in the play, but that's mm. months from now and yeah. it's today. So that's all that matters yeah. to me. <laughs> you got this. Thank you. I hope, uh, yeah, I've been <laughs> reading it right before I, right before we started. So I reached yeah. halfway. So it'll be good. You'll be fine. You'll kill it. You'll crush it. Oh, thank you. I, <laughs> I appreciate the comments. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> that's what I'm here for. <laughs> all right. Well, that's enough about me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> again, um, I want to thank the creator, writer, and artist of the comic series, Celestial Night, Dennis, for joining us here today to promote um, the issue two on Kickstarter. Currently, um, all of Dennis's socials and website will be listed in this episode's details alongside the Kickstarter link for those who are interested. Again, I'm K.S. Garner, and you've been listening to the Solo Nervic Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.